0: This is Joy and this is Claire and this is Joy and Claire,
1: a weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together, make us happy, make us whole,
0: make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy
1: and this is Claire
0: and this is Joy and Claire and Aisha Bo Johnson. Welcome Yay. to the podcast this week. So we have a guest on the show with this week, Aisha Bo Johnson. She's a self care writer, a digital con- content creator, a speaker, a blogger, you have a lot that we want to talk about with you today. And so I kind of want to start off with um, dating, which I know sounds weird, because you're engaged. But I was thinking about this today. We'll go to that in a second, because I do want you to do a quick intro. But I want to talk about dating after you do your intro, because Claire and I are both, we've been married for quite some time. I know you're engaged, you're getting married, but you were on a recent interview where you talked a little bit about like people getting ready to date and like when they feel like there has to be like the perfect person to date. And I was like, we never talked about dating on this show like there's so many people out there that are like in the dating world so I want to talk about that first but give the listeners a little pitch about who you are so they can get to know you
2: yeah well I feel like you you pretty much summed it up I mean (laughs) in terms of in terms of who I am though I am definitely uh the empath of my friend group I'm the friend who cries during commercials um I am the one who holds grudges for my friends longer than than they do uh I am. I'm a Virgo, so uh, pretty organized and Type A. Are you as well? Yep. Okay, and Type well. A. <laughs> <laughs> well, I in that case, you. yeah. Not much more to explain because you right. know everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, so and I also I have my thoughts are kind of all over the place. So forgive me because I'm like, oh, there's all these things I want to talk to you about. But the other thing that I think is super important that I think we should start with was like your transition to the work that you're doing now. And you started off studying journalism. Yeah. And then you kind of had a switch and a pivot. And so talk about like, the transition, because I think there's Claire and I talk about this a lot too, of like the trajectory of how we should always be linear. Or we feel like it should be linear, like we're kind of socialized to be like, you go to college, you get married, you have kids, da, da, da. And that, that I feel like that's just programmed in us. And so
1: or when we look at people who in our eyes see, seem successful, we think, oh, they this must yes, be their plan all along.
0: All along. Like they mm-hmm. had it together. Like they had their stuff right. together. And so can you talk about a little bit about that transition of when you realize you're like, I'm just not in the right place, especially when you were working as a was it the um, PR job that you had. Talk a little bit about that when you realize you're like, I just doesn't feel
2: like a fit. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's funny that you bring that up. I mean, well, we might discuss it a little bit later, but one main part of, so I'm working on my first book and the, the crux of it is discussing the fact that, we don't have to be on that linear path and that sometimes embracing and being open to indulging like in our curiosity and the other opportunities that we might have can bring us to a bigger place of fulfillment and i found that in my own life because as mentioned i am a virgo very type a you know i always knew exactly what my path was in life i knew like okay I'm going to be a journalist. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a journalist. I want to be a publicist. I want to be the um, the head of communications for a luxury brand. That was my, my path. And I was, you know, I felt like I was on that path. I knew what it was. And I I've relished in the fact that I, like, knew exactly what I wanted to do. And, you know, that I had it down. Yeah, And <laughs> I was doing that. You know, I was working in this industry. And despite, you know... All of the the things that I, I wasn't too happy about, the things that were making me. Miserable, essentially, all of the things that made me question, you know, a lot of my own, not morals, but like my own um, internalized beliefs and the things that I knew were right and what I felt was good for my, myself and my life and my own journey. I was kind of putting that to the wayside because I was like, well, you know, I have to just get through this to make it through to the path that I'm supposed to be on.
0: Right. You're like, this is my plan. I made the plan. Yeah. You need to stick to the plan. And it's almost like that, uh, you don't want to disappoint people, you kind of care about like, you know, this is what I plan to do. And I got to fulfill that. Is there anything exactly. that you can share a little bit more about like what made you unhappy specifically? Was it like the grind? Because I imagine that world is very much like grind. You can work, you have to like, you have to work 90 hours a week type of mentality <laughs> or am I making that up?
2: No, it is. I mean, it is like <laughs> the devil wears Prada in real life. Oh my Literally, God. I was thinking of that, was... <laughs>
0: that when I was like listening to you of your interviews. I was like, I kind of want to say, was it like the
2: devil wear pr- wears Prada? <laughs> yeah, no, it really, really was. I mean, and also for me, you know, um, as some, I, I, dealt with a lot of microaggressions in for many different reasons. And I think, you know, one being I did not come from a well off family, and working in the fashion industry, you're making pennies. And, you know, it's essentially, you know, a lot of grunt work, a lot of you know, behind the scenes pressure, a lot of, um, <laughs> you know, verbal abuse <laughs> yeah. from your superiors and, you know, you're doing it for, for nothing. And I think a lot of my peers in the industry, they all came from wealthy families. So it was like nothing to them. They were like, I'll take the abuse and, and the the chump change for this amazing title because I already oh, I... have it anyways. So for me, I'm like taking all of this abuse, but also I need to live and eat. <laughs> so I'm So is it more like, it.
0: The title, like they want to be associated like the other, yeah. I guess, you know, more privileged, rich people who are like, I <laughs> can just take this because I can be close to this person or close to this agency and make less because I don't need to, I'm being, you know, taken care of in other ways. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I mean, and and the thing about the fashion industry is like, you will eventually you'll, you'll, it's lucrative, but way down the line. (laughs) And those people can can hang in there longer, because they can afford to do an unpaid internship, they can afford to do, you know, x, y, z. So I, you know, I had I kind of struggled with that internally as well. And then, again, with like the microaggressions in the work place and just little things that my coworkers were saying and doing that, you know, made me second guess who I was and made me second guess, you know, the fact that I was on it and I was doing a great job. And it brought about a lot of insecurity within me because I was working under insecure people who had to take out their frustrations on uh, someone. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was that that person. So there was a lot of like chipping away at who I am along the way in in my journey in the fashion industry and you know obviously yes there were some some perks and benefits and it was very cool and you know a very unique experience for me and it has helped me now as an entrepreneur but i knew in my heart even though i was along this straight and narrow path that i really didn't want to be in it anymore when i finally got to that that title that director of communications title i was still really unhappy and that was the wake up call for me that Even if you have a clear cut path or, you know, you have one particular milestone or passion that you want to focus on for the rest of your life, if it's not if it's, you know, essentially depleting you and making you feel so exhausted or make you feel out of your, you know, out out of who you are and as if you're sleepwalking through life or whatever, then maybe it's time to pivot. It's time to consider something else. And that is okay. And you can do it at any time. You can do it as many times as you want, you know, and, and it really took me getting like super burnt out to realize that I could I needed to just make that move.
1: Did you have any trouble in like mentally with that concept of like, but I just spent all this time doing this like that kind of sunk cost mentality? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Because like, I, you know,
2: (laughs) I feel like we all when we're younger, we're like, by the age of 27, I'm going to have right. totally. Old, yes,
1: the old ripe age of 27.
2: Totally. When I was I like 15, going... I was like, when I'm 22, I'm going to have like three kids. Right, right. I have no kids, by the way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, I, I really was just like stressed and terrified and like I was, you know, in my my late 20s at the time. I'm in my 30s now, but I was in my late 20s at the time and I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I want to do with my life and I'm in my late 20s. Like, uh, so what? Get over it. Like, yeah. <laughs> great, <Yeah>. mm-hmm. amazing. <laughs> you actually have a lot of time left, right? So <laughs> it's good that you came to this epiphany now. But at the time, I was a, little, I was you know really worried about that, and I was like, oh my gosh, and and I think. I also was comparing myself to my friends who were not in that industry or who had been making more money already. And I was just like, uh, everyone now is able to afford this or do these things. And I'm essentially going to be going all the way back to square one and, you know, starting from the beginning. So that really really weighed on me um, at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey but I had to to kind of push past the ego and like not really think about that and and think about the bigger picture like well at least I'm doing something that makes me happy and feel fulfilled and that is not just about me and that you know helps others and it will pay off in the long run so I just had to really really drive that home (laughs) on many occasions.
0: Yeah. And I know that we've talked about this on our show before about like kind of taking that leap and how it's not like just one day you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm just going to quit my job. You know, I'm sure you had so much planning and things that you were just kind of starting to create. But when did you know that you're like, all right, did you have a, did you have a goal (laughs) being a Virgo and a plan? Did you have a plan where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this to this point, and then I'm going to quit my job. Obviously, financially, there's a lot of us that we can't just like quit our jobs to do our passion. You know, it's like that, the <laughs> That pull of, um, you know, when we don't have that financial stability ourselves, then we can't just be like, oh, I'm just gonna go quit my. Like, it sounds fun, but realistically, how do we do that?
2: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I will say this was pretty out of my character to um, to leave. <laughs> that it wasn't abruptly because obviously I put in my two weeks' notice, but I, I honestly did not have a plan, and this was the first time in my life where I did not have a concrete plan of what I was going to do. I was like, I have this blog, and and I really love blogging and I have my own platform that's growing and I'm going to see, you know, about growing that. And fortunately I had, you know, the support of my now fiance and he, you know, was able to help me to make that decision and feel more comfortable about that decision. But um I would not recommend other people doing that. Uh do not do it, do not do as I've done. I yeah, feel like there that's,
1: there's such like that um, image of like the influencer who just like walks in one day and says like, I quit and you know, then totally just walks out the door and you know, opens yeah. up their check from Google ads for $14 million, you know? And like, I'm so curious to hear about like, what did that, what was that actually like starting with, okay, you have this blog, you know, you, you have a little bit of a baseline readership, but it's not your full-time job. And then just making that shift into, okay, now this is my, my livelihood.
2: And I think that's what like really lit a fire under me to make me like (laughs) bust my ass every single day because I I needed that money, you know, so (laughs) to live. And I mean, like I said, I was, I was fortunate enough to have, you know, um, my fiance helped me out financially, but not with everything. <laughs> you know, like there's only so much he can do. And totally. I we're not, we weren't married at the time. So, yeah. you know, but it was really difficult for me at the beginning. And I was like scrambling. I was like, okay, I'm gonna start freelance writing. I'm also going to, you know, do every single focus group ever on the face of the earth. I'm going to, <laughs> you know, I'm like putting myself out there, trying to, you know, do as much as I can at home so that I can make ends meet so that I can continue to do what I love. And there was a lot of me, you know, freelancing and doing small writing gigs here and there to help to make money until I started making money from brand partnerships and and brand collaborations. And that took a while. Um, I was lucky enough to, I freelanced for a few publications for free and did not, get paid for it but then I was um then some someone else like another editor found my writing and then reached out to me about some paid opportunities which was like a blessing and then I started getting more paid opportunities I started um working with this app shine and doing um guided meditation recording guided meditations for them and um yeah and like writing for them. So that helped me out, you know, in in the meantime and then actually after being an entrepreneur for almost 2 years, I ended up actually getting a restaurant job. And I was cuz I had to make the decision. I was like, okay, I'm not having steady income. So either I'm going to go back to my previous career or I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to do something that is not so glamorous. That might make me feel, you know, a little insecure at first, but I want to do this. So I was working at a restaurant like at the beginning of last year and then COVID hit. And so I lost that job. And then (laughs) I was back to square one. I was just like, okay, well, I just proved that I really want to do this. Like, I'm just going to keep trucking. And I don't know, I think <laughs> I, I'm a pretty spiritual person. So like, I don't know, God was like, all right, I put you through, I've, I've finished hazing you now. And then totally. and, and all of a sudden, you are prepared. You know, all, yes. All, all my preparation met opportunity. And opportunities just started to finally come in after all of that, like hard work and struggle. And it took me over two years to get to that point. And I mean, I had also been blogging since 2016. So this was just two years of being on my own. Um, So it takes a lot of time. This is not an overnight success story (laughs) by any means. Um, But the success did come and it came very rapidly. And I'm grateful. I'm in a good place now.
1: There's that quote that says, um, hard work puts you where good luck can find you. And we talk about that a lot that like when you are a content creator which is such like a 2021 word, right when you're a content creator it can really look like overnight success but what you don't see is yeah that five years of of work that you've put into it to get it to the point where someone can even find you and then yeah like maybe you've made it to the top of the list but you didn't just like write your first post and get put to the top right. of the list yeah
2: No, no, this, it was a lot, a lot of practice, a lot of getting better at photography, getting better with connecting with my audience, you know, like, putting together content that really grasps people and, you know, making myself eligible for the opportunities when they come. So yeah, it was a
1: lot of work. (laughs) <laughs> so talk a little bit about the evolution of the content of your blog and like the themes that you write about and talk about. Mm,
2: yes. So originally my blog actually started out being solely based on like beauty. And I just talked about like hair, skin, nails. And then um, when I made the decision to leave, it was actually, you know, around the time where I was heavily, I mean, I had been focused on my self-care routine for a few years prior to that, but I was really becoming more self-actualized and really Uh, looking deeper within myself and just at all the things that made me, me. And (laughs) at the time, self-care wasn't so popular yet. And I was like, I feel like self-care is just really important. Like I I thought it was an epiphany. Like I thought that this was like,
0: Like, why isn't everybody talking about this? Yeah,
2: exactly. And now I'm like, well, everyone's talking about it now, but for for good reason. Um, But you know, I, I felt like we, make up so much more and beauty is you know it is skin deep like it's it's more than just more than that like it's within us it's a way that we feel about ourselves where we think about ourselves and then it radiates outside so I felt it really important to start talking about my mental health journey and to start talking about my wellness routine and lifestyle routine because we are we are so much more than than just surface level so I um yeah, I wanted to share that. And I felt like a lot of women could relate to my journey. And once I started opening up about mental health, I think that that, you know, really opened up the floodgates and and made my audience just trust me a bit more, you know, and see where I'm coming from. And so now I cover, you know, lifestyle as a whole. And, um, and I love it. I think that's definitely, you know, my my sweet spot. I still Cover beauty um, and skincare, lots of skincare, but um, I'm big on wellness and lifestyle, and I do cover some travel as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and isn't it interesting what you said earlier, just the spiritual piece too of listening, and also you know listening to those signs. But I also feel like our audience gives us signs. I mean, whether it be like they really just give you straight up feedback of what they want or what they like, or whether it's how many likes you get on a post or what have you. But I found it really important when you said there was another um, interview that you did. I listened to a lot of your interviews. And one that really struck me because I was like, Oh, I totally do that. Is the audience, you talk to the audience that you wish not I'm putting words in your mouth. But like how I heard it was like, you talk to the audience Mm. of like, what you wish you had was like, I wish, we had 50,000 followers, instead of talking to the audience we have, mm-hmm. and I'm just, I'm just using an arbitrary number. But sometimes I'll be like, Oh, man, like, what? Are we, we've been doing this for eight years. Like, you know, where are we going? Where's our growth? Like, our numbers have stayed the same as far as like followers that we can see. So I yeah. focus on the wrong piece of like, instead of focusing on the audience that we have, and like, really listening to them, I find myself in that trap of being like, how are we going to grow? Where like that destination thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Um, I thought that was really valuable. I just that was something that really helped me and how you came to that realization. And I think the audience like talking to you and just listening to them.
2: Yeah, it's funny, because I was actually that was, I came to that realization when I was working at the restaurant, it was like an early morning shift. It was like a Sunday morning. Yeah. And I was there like, you know, setting up before anyone got to the restaurant. And I was listening to this podcast by a pastor. And he was he was essentially, you know, talking about that. He was like, you want to influence so many you want to influence millions but you aren't even focused on influencing the you know dozen people that you have in front of you now and like I remember (laughs) I literally remember where I was standing in the restaurant like pulling a chair down and like hearing him say that and I was just like he's so right like I I spend so much time like oh I need to get to 10k I need to get to 20k I need to get to 50k and I'm just like but girl like if we were in a room and we had that them 600 people looking at us wouldn't you be terrified like yes yes like that a thousand people like in the room with you like (laughs) you
0: really want to hold like the one million dollar what what is it the one million balloon where it's like one million and if you were standing in front of one million people i'd probably that
1: everybody. Like has like, yeah I made it we're gonna I made it to away. 150k
0: yeah. and then they have like all, whatever that balloon thing is
1: happening yes I mean yeah.
0: yeah it's true I mean if I was standing I mean Claire and I have done live shows where it's been what we did a I don't know
1: maybe 200 people 200
0: people and yeah it was Amazing. like yeah and we're like
1: they're ah, so fun, it's, but it's like, they're so fun but, so but I just get really people
0: so many people
1: but then you know if an Instagram post only gets 200 likes you're like what did I do wrong I know <laughs>
0: You like throw the computer. Yeah, I'm and
2: like,
1: not- oh, forget yeah. this.
2: <laughs> we're done. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think I'm like at that point now where I'm just like, honestly, I would be terrified if this many people were in a room with me. And I just need to focus on my audience now. Those people I like, there are some people who are so supportive and I've never met them. Don't know who they are, but when they change like their profile picture, I'm like, Hey, love your new profile pic. And they're like, Oh my God, thanks for noticing. That's- like, I think there's like, you know, I think there's like something cool about being able to really connect with your audience. And like, again, trust is so important. And I feel like as sure. an influencer, like it's so important. Cause people can see through the BS like
0: totally. easily.
2: And I think totally. sometimes people take their audience for granted and don't feel like they're going to notice, but they notice everything. So, you know, I I think that's really, really important. And and that's what's also helped me to stay in the in the present moment when I'm creating content and doing anything like in those moments where like, I'm not getting as many likes as I want, or as many comments or clicks or whatever. I'm at least like, you know what, I have done a great job. I have put So much into this, and if only 10 people go and click it or like it, I can. I am honestly saying that like, I'm not giving that like speech, like, if only 10 people, no, I really mean that. Like, I've literally gotten to that point now, (laughs) right? Exactly, you know, it's just I think at least those 10 people are paying attention, and you have, you know, you have that trust within that group.
1: I remember hearing an interview with Pink, the pop artist.
2: And she was like, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, people always used to want to compare me to Brittany and Christina, but are they still touring? You know, and it was like, (laughs) for me, that was sort of this light bulb moment of like, you know what, you might not be the most popular in the moment, but like, what's your longevity? And that's that's where that longevity comes from, is from really knowing your audience, really caring about them and noticing them and seeing them. And it doesn't come from going viral.
2: Yeah. 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 It's all about the impact that you make. Like, I... I am really, really big. So I have this series on my my page called uh, Black and Blogging. It's on my IGTV. And so I just give, you know, firsthand tips and feedback on like how I've done it and how I'm doing it. And I am like, there are so many people who are like, thank you, thank you for sharing this. And I also have like huge influencers who DM me, like huge, like millions, hundreds of thousands, <laughs> not millions, but maybe hundreds of thousands. Of thousands. They've done the balloon picture. <laughs> yes and then they're like how how did you make so much this year or like how are you you know organizing your stuff how are you doing this and doing that and I'm just like so you have so many followers compared to me and you're reaching out to me behind the scenes about you know this types of feed this type of feedback and I think that there's something like and I don't even like find anything strange about that I'm not judging them but I'm just in my mind i'm like you never know who you're influencing you never right. know who you're you're helping or touching and like even if they are bigger than me like there's no there's no jealousy in that because i'm more so just like you know this is just another person who can you know who is who i'm helping and who can help maybe help me in the, in the future or whatever like i just think that there is right. just something great about connection and that we yeah it's, about it's, the numbers like yeah the the numbers so don't mean, <laughs> right.
1: they don't mean anything that, they don't that mean follow anything our account oh and that anything. yes
2: and that's the point I was getting. I was going around in a circle. So I have like 15,500 followers. And I and there are folks who have way more than that, who have come to me and told me that I'm making more than them. And it's crazy to me, but it all depends on the, it's not even just the quality of your work, but I think it's about the honesty. Like I, I, I pride myself on being a great storyteller in all of my content. And I think that's what, helps my audience to really connect and I think that's what attracts the brands and the brand partnerships because I've gotten that a lot like we love your storytelling we love the fact that you really immerse yourself in whatever it is you're talking about and I think that's what comes with it it's not about the fact that you're posting 80 times a day and that you have you know 50k followers, it's about the fact that you're like making an impact, you're providing value to your audience and to anyone who's, you know, who's paying attention. So that's really what it comes down to. And I'm a testament to the fact that the numbers really don't matter.
0: That's really, I'm so glad you said that. And the authenticity really goes so far i think when we're talking about audience like these are people who are trusting you who've never met you and you said this on another podcast or in uh, one of your interviews that i wanted to bring up and you mentioned products and partnerships is who you partner with says a lot about your brand and when claire and i first started eight years ago we had so many people just be like will you do this for a free t-shirt i can't tell (laughs) you how many
1: t-shirts we got how many like stupid workout t shirts that were like, I'm running so many, for tacos?
0: So many t shirts. that, And like, they all have that of,
1: shirt. Don't pretend like you haven't had that shirt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, they just want to like t shirts. So t shirts for a plug. And at first we get excited because you just want to get noticed. And then after a while you're like, uh, I think we need to get paid for this. Like, we, we, you started to get an audience. And so, anyway, over time, who we chose to partner with was really important because there were times where I'm like, I don't feel good about putting, I mean, there was one, I can't remember who it was. Oh, I remember who it was. I'm not going to say it, but there was a brand that was like, we wanted to work with you and I was losing sleep over it. Cause it went against a lot of my values and the things that I was kind of struggling with personally. And I was just like, I can't do it. And it would have been a like decent chunk of money for our
2: show, but I was like, I can't do it. And I'm sure you've
0: come to that oh, that as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially especially now, given the year that we've had, I feel that a lot of brands are trying to be more diverse and there are some brands who are genuinely trying to be diverse and then some brands who I can tell are simply doing it to fulfill a quota or to make face. And I, like, Black History Month was the most annoying. My inbox was so annoying during Black History Month this year. I bet, I was like, all right, y'all, I am not. (laughs) And you're like, I've been here for how long? Yeah. Hello. (laughs) Nothing has changed. And yeah, and so like, you know, for me, it's difficult. And I do talk a lot about hair on my platform. And then there have been a number of hair brands who've reached out to me. And I mean, not one woman with curly kinky hair on their page. It's like everyone's blonde and like long, straight wavy hair. And they're like, we would love to work with you. And I'm just like, ah, I mean, I don't see any diversity on your page. Yeah. At all. And I mean like no one, like you don't have any other ethnicity and no other look, no other hair type, nothing. And so, you know, I had to make the decision um, you know, obviously, money is is quite important however the we're going back to that trust thing my audience they look like me and they're not going to see if i say oh use this product and they go on that page and they don't see anyone who looks like them they're going to be like Aisha what the heck like <laughs> we like, don't like did trust you even you look at their page <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so i have to be really really mindful of that and also even in the partnerships that I agree to, just being mindful of the messaging and like the the way that I'm putting my content out there and, and pushing back and letting them know that I know my audience best. I know what's gonna work. I know what, you know, what would be the best way to convey this and share this with them. And um I think that's really important because a lot of times we're just like really excited about the opportunity and we just like go through the motions when we when I think the brands actually respect when you're willing to push back and when you're willing yeah. to you know give an opinion. And
0: they're going to not that this like totally matters in the end but they are going to get a better return if you have yes. that relationship because people want to support you when you're being authentic and it's not that you know we're just trying to sell products all the time but we need to make money to keep our yeah. brands going and it's like they <laughs> want to support you when it feels good like that. We've even come up against having to kind of like break up with a sponsor because of <laughs> How do you say it, Claire? I don't Uh, want to
1: say... Yeah, like...
0: We didn't agree with something they... Someone else they supported whose politics and views were, like, so against what we stood for. And we're like...
1: It can be hard because you don't want to... Be that like cancel culture person who's like, Well, every time someone disagrees with me, I'm just gonna like drop the bag. Yeah, but, but I think different. it's, I mean, that this particular yeah. situation was different. But I am curious to hear a little bit more about, you know, being a black female in this self care space that can feel so loaded. What are some of the things that you feel like you carry that you're the brands that you work with and potentially, you know, some of your followers just aren't? seeing that you'd grapple with day to day.
2: Well, okay. So what do you what do you mean? Like what what I grapple with on a day to day basis that isn't really like uh, that mean, I'm not like, really putting out there like
1: no, I, I mean, like with your position in as an influencer in this space, but having that additional component of being a black woman. And you know, like the the brand who comes to you and says, Oh, we'd love to work with you. And you're like, really, because everyone on your page has like these sleek mm. beachy waves. Like, do you really want to <laughs> work with me? <laughs> or you know, right. do you just want to do you just want people to think that you, you know, Mm -hmm. do you feel like that comes out anywhere else, like in your content or other places where you need to really be aware of that?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think there's like, there's definitely it's, it's weird because there's so much that I, that I notice and I see as well. Like not only am I, you know, the, the quote unquote diversity higher <laughs> sometimes um, with these brands, but also I think that there are some instances in which brands are, they're adding some diversity, but only for, to a certain extent. Mm. So when it comes to, let's say like a hair brand. So there are many, many, obviously different types of curls and coils. And I'm like, on that, that middle range when it comes to like my hair texture. But there are other women, there are other black women who are not getting as many opportunities as me because their hair texture is even tighter or their skin complexion is like just a little bit darker than mine. And I think those are some of the things that I struggle with as well because I'm like, okay, yes, they are being diverse and they are, you know, um, you know, having other different types of women in in their shoots and stuff and in their campaigns, but, like, only to an extent, you know? And I'm, like, the last, like, I'm at the end of it when there are so many other people on the spectrum that should be included. And that's something that's been, like, really, really weighing on me a lot lately because I'm, like okay, you know, how do I address this? How do I talk about this? Um, and how do I make sure that the brands that I'm working with aren't, you know, that they're opening it up to everyone as well, because there is a specific, you know, section of Black women who are being left behind. So I want to make sure that I'm representing for, not just representing for them, but making sure that I'm pulling them in as well. So I think that's something that's really, really important to me. And and I always try to look and use like the hashtags to see like who else is part of any campaigns that I. I'm part of just to see like, you know, what, yeah. what's going on. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that a lot of brands definitely have some more work to do in terms of, you know, not just picking one or picking two, you know, people from each different, you know, group, but like really, you know, looking for a broad range of, you know, people and different, you know, body types and, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds and everything. I think that's really, really important. Um, and you know, I do also feel kind of burdened because I'm like, I'm, you know, but I'm a black woman. Like, why do I have to always be the one to, <laughs> to, to try and like tell you what you need to do or to try to fix right. you and help you in your organization. So that also weighs on me.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's like the whole thing during uh, last year when oh, everyone yeah. was posting and it, don't even get me started on the recent, um, <laughs> <laughs> What's her face? Uh, you know who I'm talking about? Schmachel Schmallis. No, not Schmachel <laughs> Schmallis.
1: Oh, no, I, then I don't know who you're talking
0: about. Anyway, celebrity wife of... Ozzy Osborne, Sharon Osbourne anyway the whole oh, like yes. debacle of her being like educate me it's like that whole thing of oh. educate me it's like no 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 yeah <laughs> that is not your job so yeah, yeah. it's kind of like the same thing where there's got to be some exhaustion of be like why do I need to be the one to educate you about this but
2: that actually happened to me last year with a brand because they were like because I wrote to a number of brands so I had signed like a, a number of deals but it was right in the middle of, you know, everything going on with Black Lives Matter. And there was like a lot of protests going on and a Mm -hmm. lot of brands coming forward and speaking up. And so I made sure to like, check all of my, the social media pages of every single brand I was working with to see like, have they made a statement? Right. I Google, I looked on their websites to see if they've made a statement or if they're doing anything and any of the brands that I was going to work with that hadn't done anything yet. I just, you know, sent a, a note just like, Hey, you know, I would love to continue to work with you. However, if, you know, if you're not going to stand up for this cause, um, I don't know that it would be a fit, whatever. One of the brands was like, yes, we're, we're trying to think of what to do. And I would love to get on a call with you so you you can help us to brainstorm some ideas and think about. And I was just like, at first I was like, okay. And then I thought about it and I was just like, first off, I'm not a part of your staff. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Am are I you going to pay me? Do yeah, you know yeah. to pay calls? me for this? Yeah, I would be happy yeah. to do that. My consulting fee is $500 an hour.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and I just had to, you know, politely write back and be like, you know, I, this is not something that I feel that I should be doing for you, but I, you know, I'm wishing you the best. And I think I may be sent like some links. <laughs> It's like resources, but which was
0: nice of you. You didn't even have to do that, but yes,
2: (laughs) right. I was actually begrudgingly sending links, but (laughs) I yeah. So that was very interesting, and I definitely think that that's something behind the scenes that um you know that I've had to deal with recently.
1: Thank you for sharing that, and I want to talk a little bit about another topic that you talk about a lot, and something that I think is also at least to me, I think it has a foot in this conversation about things that are not always brought up and things that are not always easy to talk about and that's what you brought up earlier which is starting to talk about mental health and starting to talk about, you know, you've talked a lot about PTSD and anxiety in your work and tell us a little bit more about how you started talking about that and sorry if you can hear a two-year-old yelling mama at the door I've been found, I've been discovered (laughs) She she knows how to knock but she just like pounds so that's what's going on (laughs) Okay. yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you decided to start sharing about that and what that felt like at first to start being open about having mental health issues.
2: Yeah, it was it was really scary at first um, because only my close friends knew that um, that I was going (laughs) to.
1: Sorry, Claire, I just turned I right just
2: like looking at a door of children on the other side that are just yelling at her.
1: It's like that part. <laughs> Do you guys remember the movie Inception where like they're like they find him in the dream and like the mob is coming? Oh yeah, and they just start staring. Yes, so like, so this is my current situation.
0: Okay, sorry. Continue. Continue. <laughs> Serious topic. Continue. <laughs>
2: Um, well, yeah, it was, it was really scary at first, um, because only a few close friends knew that, you know, I was dealing with anxiety and that I was seeing a therapist and, you know, going through all of what I was going through because I am generally, you know, the life of the party, the, the, the person who's always happy and makes everyone else happy. So for me coming out and admitting that I'm not always happy, I have my moments and that's okay okay, you know, I've been depressed. I've been at my lowest of lows. That was really difficult for me, but I knew that I needed to do it because I knew that there would be someone out there who would be able to relate and understand where I'm coming from. And I feel like I owe it to other women in my community to speak up so that they can feel comfortable speaking up and they can feel comfortable enough getting help for themselves because that has been like, the biggest game changer in my entire life. I have always felt like I can do it myself. I can, you know, I can rally through and I can figure out figure it out on my own and when I got to the point of knowing and and giving myself permission to get that help and to see a therapist regularly, not just, you know, go to a psychiatrist, get some meds and then continue doing what I was doing and thinking about thinking, uh, you know, all of the negative thoughts I was thinking, I actually was actively getting help, helping myself and I saw the change that it made in me. And so that's what helped me to feel a little bit more confident about opening up to others, Um, about the fact that I'm struggling with these things. And it actually wasn't until recently that I um, started opening up about PTSD because my PTSD diagnosis is actually relatively recent. Um, I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder when I was, I think, about 24, 25. And then last year at the beginning of the pandemic, I actually started seeing a new psychiatrist and um, she diagnosed with PTSD. And I was like, okay, now that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) At first I was a little like PTSD, so confused because I was like, well, I didn't go to war, but then I thought about it and we talked about it and it made so much sense. There's so many things that I've gone through in my life that I have, you know, so many traumatic experiences that I've just allowed to weigh on me and I've allowed to essentially just take over my entire being and existence, that it made sense that that was what I was going through. And so from there, I've, you know, decided to open up about it. And I feel like a lot of Black women have gone through so much trauma in their lives. And and even on a day-to-day basis, we're experiencing trauma when someone like comes up and touches our hair or like, <laughs> you know, like tells us something like, "Oh, you speak well, like that's traumatic. Yeah, (laughs) so like um, the microaggressions
0: you were talking about earlier, and please read Phoebe Robinson's Don't Touch My Hair, everybody and read every single one of her books. But yes, um, that, (laughs) yes, and and that is probably very freeing, but also for you to say that there's things that you probably thought, well, I just, this is just my life. I've had to deal with it instead of defining that as trauma was probably like a big, like, how was that? I don't want to say like your mind was blown, but more of just like a whoa validation.
2: It was, it was a big validation. At first, though, it did make me really sad. It, it made me really sad to think about the fact that, you know, I knew that I didn't have the easiest life. I didn't have the easiest upbringing. I knew that I had gone through a lot of really, really difficult things. But putting the word like trauma on it was tough for me, because it's so easy to just push it to the side like this was an experience this was just an experience it's something I went through this the roadblock or this was you know growing pains or family thing family issues but trauma is is a strong word but I I really do want to make it less of a traumatic word (laughs) for sure yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely and
0: I work with people with trauma and all sorts of trauma. And I think there's a fallacy that you have to have what we call like, I don't even like saying big T, we call it sometimes in therapy, you call it like a big T or a little t. I'm like, well, trauma is trauma. Let's not do the big T, little t. <laughs> trauma is trauma. And it's really about how you have your experience, whether you're young, whether you're older, whether it's a new trauma, whether it's a trauma that you've, you grew up with, and someone goes, that that's actually, that sounds like it was a traumatic experience you're like, well, that was just, I guess in a way when you're growing up, you kind of, you don't know anything else. So you're like, but I don't know, that was just my life. Um, And someone kind of sits you down and goes, no, that's, that was traumatic. That's a trauma. So I think that just kind of defining it. And I like what you said about like not making it a traumatic word is really important because so many, so many of us just like want to push it aside and be like, well, that's the person that has like, we do the comparison trap. I have it. I don't have it that bad. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Same thing with eating disorders. Well, I'm not like this Mm -hmm. size or that size. So I must not have an eating disorder. It's like we always compare our traumas to someone else that we're like, I'm fine. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And I do that a lot. I I made my own term for the hardship hierarchy. And I I feel I feel like we were so stuck on the hardship hierarchy. And I'm like that too. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm going through a tough time right now where I'm really stressed. But my friend Who have kids or, you know, someone else who, you know, lost someone or is going through this has it way worse than me. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to bottle it up and I'm going to keep pushing through because my problems aren't as big as theirs. Or I, at least I feel like my problems are as big as theirs, but I don't think they believe that mine are just as important. So I'm not going to say anything. And that is not good. And that is something that, um, that I have been working on and that I like try to encourage, those around me to work on as well. Because when we don't open up, it just, you know, it causes us to, to spiral and to eventually explode or to just have nothing to give, you know, we're just depleted. Right. And um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely really important. That's why I try to be as vocal as possible.
1: And I also think I mean, I know, I kind of opened the segment by being like, talk about your mental health issues. And you know, like that phrase, it can feel kind of like, wow, that's a little like you know blunt but I think that it can also feel so or it does feel so good to hear other people talk about it and normalize it because then you know if you are in a scenario where you do have a therapist appointment where you know someone says wow that sounds like trauma you if you've heard if you know someone else who like is living a full life and is also dealing with trauma and is also overcoming trauma and dealing with PTSD it feels like okay this can be part of a full life versus this is a diagnosis that means that i am gonna like miss out on things
0: right exactly or that you're gonna fall apart
1: yeah. You know? we, yeah that's
0: what i was gonna ask is like what what advice would you give or what would you say to someone doesn't have to be advice but what would you mm-hmm. say to someone who's like Maybe they have it and they're scared to talk about it because I think that's the fear sometimes, at least what I see with patients is they're just so afraid if they like, just open the dam a little bit, it's just gonna, they're gonna never be okay again. And that's just not always the case. It can be really freeing. It's not easy, but it can be really freeing.
2: Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's all about giving yourself permission to, to feel and to be. And I think we don't give ourselves that permission very often. And that's one thing that's really helped me to live with my PTSD confidently because I am not, I understand that these things were traumatic in my life. I understand now, like the things that I've gone through and seen were really, really hard and they have made a huge impact on me. And I am now continuing to unlearn some of the behaviors that you know they've they've given me or, or whatever but i am allowing myself to accept the fact that, that these things have you know happened and i'm not letting it define me and define my future and define you know what what i'm meant to be in life and i'm still continuing to live each and every single day some days might be hard some days might not be hard but i'm allowing myself that space i think recently like a question that i keep getting recently is like how do you stay motivated how do you stay motivated and i have actually found a a more honest answer for myself and that's i'm i'm taking time to rest so when i'm feeling overwhelmed or i'm feeling unmotivated or i'm feeling you know down i just i lay in bed for a little longer I, you know, I'm like, I'm going to start my day at 12. I'm just going to lay here and just take that time to be with myself, take that time to be sad, take that time to just relax and and get a breather so that I can then go back with like a fresh sense of, you know, fresh sense of um, motivation and insight and whatnot. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to having PTSD um, and moving through life with it. Like you allow yourself to have those feelings and then just continue on and just know that it doesn't define you and that you're it's okay that you feel sad about what's happened to you in the past because why not? It was traumatic. You're it's okay. It was objectively sad. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. So you're allowed. And, um, I think we, we fight a lot with that, you know, with that, I shouldn't be sad, or I shouldn't have gone through that. And, you know, well, you shouldn't have gone through that, but I shouldn't feel that way, you know. So um, yeah, so that's one thing that's, that's really helped me to just just move forward.
1: I love that too, about like, it's okay for it to be sad. Like, we are always so preoccupied with trying to fix things and trying to oh you're okay it's gonna be okay it's like it's okay for it to not be okay sometimes. not be okay
0: yeah. it's okay we, for what
1: you went through to have been really crappy
0: you're having the worst day we recently had an yeah. episode where we talked about that really like, you get the award for the worst day you are having the worst you are the worst your your mood is the worst and so i posted recently about that i'm like i'm just having the worst day i get the award give me the medal <laughs> oh like, my god it's a
1: little tongue-in-cheek but at the same time like how validating does it feel to have right like, like no, let's just you're like, right. like yeah I don't, you're not having the worst. To, not here to fix it. I'm not here to find a silver lining. I'm not here to send you ten bucks to Starbucks. I'm just here. I mean, maybe I know I'd take the Starbucks, but like, I'm just here to tell you. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Yeah. End of sentence. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can be. And sometimes it's funny because if someone says like, "Oh, that's so sad," you're like, you're like built up, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. Whew. I didn't have to like. I didn't have to justify." why yeah. it was so bad yeah. or justify why i feel this way like guys did like we that understanding
1: did we learn nothing from bing bong totally <laughs> from what no have you Uh seen the movie inside out
2: Uh oh no no
1: it's worth it it's go watch it it's worth it but it's like it's like an adult (laughs) movie for kids it's so good it's like but it that basically the whole entire point of that movie is that all of the emotions are important and that like if you only focus on feeling joy all the time and try to spin everything to only ever feel happy then you're gonna get you're missing out on all the other cute little emotions and you know, yes. there's this like pivotal moment where the, the emotion, sadness, like goes up to this imaginary friend Bing Bong, and he's having a really tough time. And she's like, "That sounds really sad." It's you know, you had a really good time with that rocket that just got. There's a lot of backstory. She's like, "What <laughs> sounds really sad?" And he's like, "Yeah, it was really sad." And Joy is like, "Sadness don't make it worse." And sh- and but then he feels better because he was just seen, and she was able to validate that.
0: Yeah, she saw you. Yeah,
1: it's like yeah I'm just telling validation you, go watch Inside <laughs> that's oh my God, that's the word. yes. So when I got the
2: diagnosis, I felt validated. I was like, oh yeah, yes, that's what it is. <sighs> that's what
1: I've been feeling all yeah. my life.
0: When you have a definition to what you've been struggling with your whole life, it's just like, oh, my gosh. Well, so and I love that, healing. too, because,
1: like, yes, it does. You know, that phrase post-traumatic stresses or PTSD, like, it does sound so dramatic. But to also view it from that lens of, like, this is a relief. I can put a name to what's going on inside my brain. I don't have to fight yes. it anymore. I can just yeah. accept that this is what it is, and I can learn to move on. Or I can learn to heal and live with it and move with it instead of just constantly wondering what is wrong.
0: Or like exactly. you can put it out in front of you and deal with it instead of being like this whole thing, like
1: what is going on? Yeah. Joy is better. She's a therapist. <laughs> I'm having a great time.
0: Okay, Like I, we could talk therapy all day long. So I want to re- be respectful of your time, but I do want to go back to the very first thing I wanted to talk to you about if you, and I don't want to like do a disservice to like shorten it, but if you could talk about like the destination, destination addiction and really people who perhaps are in the dating world feel like they have to be perfect before like they have to be their whole self before they like go out and date someone what would you say to our audience who's like in the dating world and they're like focused on that being perfect person before they can date because I feel like we we are fed that fallacy of like you need to be a whole you before you can get into a relationship or they do all this work on themselves before they say that they can date and maybe they end up in bad relationships okay oh, go
1: can I just say I'm so proud of you for remembering to come back to that because I had Completely oh, I'm,
0: I was like right thinking there. about the whole time because I was like, I started with it. Our audience is going to be like, you never talked about dating and you said you would.
2: <laughs> Don't worry, we, we got you. Uh, <laughs> so, OK, so that was like based off of my so I had a. I wrote a blog post called um, you can find yourself you can find love while still finding yourself. And I came to that because I was thinking about the the journey that I had with my fiancé and the fact that I actually met him towards the beginning of my my self-love, my self-care journey. And I was in that process. I was thinking to myself, like, should I get into another relationship right now? You know, should I still continue to, to find myself? And I decided to not put him on hold and to instead continue on with dating him while continuing my self-care practice because I was like, I just need to make sure I have clear boundaries as I do this. And also when you think about it, self-care, your self-discovery, all of that, it's a continuous thing. You don't stop, you don't reach a threshold like, okay, I've done 800- Therapy sessions. I have meditated for you know this many hours and written in at least twelve journals.
1: Right. So you don't now get a punch card filled up for self care. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like it does it that okay. So now I can finally retire the self care aspect from my life, and I am actualized and ready to to do everything and conquer the world. No it doesn't happen like that. Self-care happens all the time because the one thing in our lives that's constant is change. And we're going to change our minds. We're going to, you know, be put in situations and circumstances that are going to have us look at ourselves or the world around us differently. So of course, the the way that we perceive ourselves and, and the things that we feel like we need to build ourselves up is going to change. So with that said, Obviously you can date while you're still going through the process because the process never ends. <laughs> and if you sit around waiting to do that, then you will never date someone. And I think the important the important aspect is again setting those clear boundaries, being open with that person and letting them know, you know, that you are on this journey right now and that you are figuring things out. And you know, hopefully if they're the right person, they'll want to go along on that journey with you. And, and another aspect another aspect of that is the destination addiction for those of us who maybe are not in that relationship yet or don't have that prospect of a relationship yet. And we're thinking to ourselves, well, I'll be happy when I get in that relationship. I'll be happy when I can finally start dating or when I lose the weight or when I make this amount of money. And instead, we're, we're essentially just like putting our, our happiness on ice until, you know, the whatever it is, the pinnacle that we we feel might one day come down, (laughs) you know, we're waiting for that when we can just be happy in the here and now, and we can find gratitude in our day to day in the things that we do have the people that we do have in our lives now. And when we when we realize and understand that now is the most important time, of our entire lives that's when we really start living because we're no longer looking towards the future we're making the most of every single moment we're finding our joy right now and i think when it comes to dating we i don't feel like it's it's productive to you know to wait to be happy once you found a partner because you you essentially should be a happy and whole person as as often as you can be because happiness kind of fluctuates (laughs) you know prior to that and it's okay
0: and relationships are work there are a lot of work Uh, yeah buddy exactly
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly like i and then also you know in my my journey like i my fiance was influenced to start going to a therapist himself, you know, seeing that I was doing it and talking so openly about, you know, what it was that I was going through. And he's been able to find, you know, a lot of peace in that for himself as well. And like, I think that's also the beauty in in dating and seeing people while you're on that because you never know who you're going to touch or influence or inspire you. Yeah. And you you may not be together forever, but like at least you can continue to to learn what it is you do and don't want. Well, I love it.
1: <laughs> I tried to go quickly, but that was great. It was great. Oh. And I think it goes for so much more than dating as well. It kind of goes, yes. like you were saying it yeah. towards the end. It goes for almost any transi- life transition that you're putting off because you think you have to yeah. you know, become a different person first. Yeah. You're never going to arrive. Your punch card's never going to get filled.
0: How many people have like gotten the thing and then they're like this was it
1: everyone I would argue yeah I have never talked to a single person who was like and on the day that I got that promotion or I got that ring or I got that house it was everything I thought it would be and it was the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow everyone's like and then I got there and I looked around and thought that's it yeah or you know literally here I was still standing there the same exact person that's ever been like womp womp
2: Exactly. exactly funny how we do that
1: So, I'm not just going to transform
2: into a whole new person? Like, what? The end of a video game
1: where I just like level up into like a cloud of gold (laughs) circles. I wish you guys could see the move we all just did. We all
0: just did like, I don't know, it was like something. A flower. We were like growing up into the trees. Yeah.
2: We just did tree pose.
1: But it was great. all right so tell our listeners where oh, they can find you
2: aisha yes i am so easy to find uh, so the, the reason why everything is aisha Bo is because i am so bad at like making names for things so <laughs> i it's
1: would have hard
0: because yeah a and not only that you like outgrow no. names can i yes, tell you how long it
1: took is- us to come up with the name this is joy and claire one year aisha <laughs> 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 it took us a year to come up with that name First, for eight years, yes. we've been starting every podcast going. This is Joy and this is Claire, and it took us that long to come up with the podcast name because <laughs> we changed our name. <laughs> we changed. Yeah. rebranded. Yeah, 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 I, I saw it. that. Mm-hmm. And, the, so and I'm sure that
0: was you really are not really alone. Difficult. Except not even alone. when
1: I came up with it, I was like, I have received divine inspiration. Our name shall be This is Joy and Claire, and everyone was like, Really? And I was like, You don't understand how hard this was. Yeah. So, so Aisha Bo is perfect. Yes.
2: So it has good syllables. A, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. AishaBo.com, Instagram at AishaBow, Twitter at AishaBow, YouTube.com slash AishaBow. The only thing that's different is my podcast is rewritten. The AishaBow podcast. Perfect. I love <laughs> so- <laughs> it.
1: I
0: got
2: it. So there you go.
1: <laughs>
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much.
1: And listeners, you can find all of the links to that in the show notes. Go be one of the more than 10 people who are going to click the link. You can do it.
0: Yes. And... Aisha, please come back when your book is gonna be Next. launched or like in the works. I I don't wanna be too long because I really enjoyed our conversation. And I hope you come back.
2: Oh yeah, no, no, it won't be that long. Okay. I, I
0: mean if I
1: ever finish it <laughs> now, <laughs> now people know right. now that people now they know, know pressure's
0: wait. on virgo <laughs> <Yep>. yes right
1: <laughs> all right guys well okay. you know where to find us and please leave a comment leave a review share, share this it. episode with a friend we would greatly appreciate it and we will talk to you next week
0: bye everybody